would please turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 35. We'll be continuing on in our series, Josiah the Humble King. We'll be reading verses 1 through 19 of 2 Chronicles chapter 35. The text is printed for you on pages 5 and 6, I believe, in the bulletin. 2 Chronicles chapter 35, starting in verse 1. Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house that Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people, Israel. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses by your divisions, as prescribed in the writing of David, king of Israel, and the document of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy place according to the groupings of the father's houses of your brothers, the lay people, and according to the division of the Levites by the father's houses. And slaughter the Passover lamb and consecrate yourselves and prepare for your brothers to do according to the word of the Lord by Moses. Then Josiah contributed to the lay people as Passover offerings for all who were present, lambs and young goats from the flock to the number of 30,000 and 3,000 bulls. These were from the king's possessions. And his officials contributed willingly to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the chief officers of the house of God, gave to the priests for Passover offerings, 2,600 Passover lambs and 300 bulls. Conaniah also, Shemaiah and Nathaniel, his brothers, and Hashabiah and Jael and Jazabad, the chiefs of the Levites, gave to the Levites for the Passover offerings, 5,000 lambs and young goats and 500 bulls. When the service had been prepared for the priest, stood in their place and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb and the priests threw the blood that they received from them while the Levites flayed the sacrifices. And they set aside the burnt offerings that they might distribute them according to the groupings of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord, as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the bulls. And they roasted the Passover lamb with fire according to the rule. And they boiled the holy offerings in pots and cauldrons and in pans and carried them quickly to all the lay people. And afterward, they prepared for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were offering the burnt offerings and the fat parts until night. So the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. The singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their place according to the command of David. And Asaph and Haman and Jeduthun, the king's seers and the gatekeepers, were at each gate. They did not need to depart from their service, for their brothers, the Levites, prepared for them. So all the service of the Lord was prepared that day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar to the, of the Lord, according to the king's command of King Josiah. And the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah, and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. You may be seated. And as you do so, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we heard sung earlier this morning, we ask that you would speak, even as we come to you, that we would receive the food of your holy word. 
And we ask that you would take your truth and plant it deep in us, that you would use it to shape us and to fashion us into your likeness. And we know you can do that by the power of your spirit, so we ask that you would do such a work in us even now. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. I want you to think for a moment, what was the best party or celebration that you ever attended? What was it? You don't have to announce it. Maybe a wedding, maybe a birthday party, maybe a celebration of some great accomplishment, maybe a retirement party, maybe even a worship service. And then second, what made that celebration so memorable? Was it the food, maybe the music, the experience, the company of people, maybe the purpose? Now for some of you, remembering such a celebration may come easy. Maybe it just happened a few weeks ago. Maybe for some of you, you're planning on it happening maybe sometime around September. But for some of us, it might be a little bit more difficult because it's so far removed or... We have so many to, to consider. At the risk of sounding boastful, I would have a hard time narrowing it down to my list to just one. My wedding was a blast, as was my brother's wedding. Uh, my wife threw me a surprise 30th birthday party a few years ago, and that was a great experience. I had the joy of going to game four of the 2008 World Series, which the Phillies won, and then the next game would win again and win the whole thing. The celebration after that game four was one that I won't forget. And there was also the celebration in the pool lobby back in high school after my team won the Pennsylvania State Water Polo title uh, with our parents, with our, our friends and family in the lobby celebrating again another moment that would be hard for me to narrow down. And those are just the immediate ones that come to my mind. I'm sure you have plenty as well. And each has its own reasons for consideration. And there's certainly others that if I were to give in more time, I could justify adding to that list. In our text this morning from 2 Chronicles 35, we see there is no argument about what the greatest celebration would be. It ends here with this Passover that Josiah celebrates and keeps faithfully to the Lord. And in case we're not really sure, the writer makes it very clear in verse 18 where he says, No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. And just in case we might think that's a little bit biased, maybe this is just the chronicle or throwing this in there to make it sound better, you could flip to 2 Kings chapter 23, where about this same event, that writer says, for no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel, or during all the days of the king of Israel, or the kings of Judah. We see that this Passover celebrated by Josiah takes the cake, there's no other celebration that can compare with it. Which begs the question, why? What made it such a great celebration? And what we find out may be surprising to us. It's because Josiah's faithfulness to the word of the Lord. Whether that word came from the mouth of Moses, David, or even the king himself, who has proven to this point to be obeying and pursuing that word of the Lord again and again. Just consider, if you will, a moment, how many times the phrase according to something occurs in these verses. In verses 4, 5, and 15, it's according to the words of David. In verses 6, 12, and 13, it's according to the words of Moses. And then in verses 10 and 16, it's according to the command of Josiah the king. We see that from start to finish, Josiah's Passover... This celebration relied heavily 
not on his grand ideas, not on what he thought would make for a fun or joyous celebration, but on the word of God. And that is what made this one go down in history. We find that faithfulness in the worship of God flows from our faithfulness to the word of God. Faithfulness to the worship of God flows from our faithfulness to the, worship, the word of God. And we'll find this encouragement in, of this great Passover in, in four points. They're printed in the bulletin. We're going to look at Josiah's preparations, Josiah's provisions, the leader's performance, and then finally this Passover's preeminence. And these will hopefully detail how this Passover celebration followed the word of the Lord from start to finish. And hopefully it will encourage us to do the same, both in our private worship and also in our corporate worship, to seek faithfulness to the Lord as revealed in his word. And we start where this Passover does with Josiah's preparations. We see this in verses 1 through 6. Just as Josiah is the one leading the the purging and the cleansing going on in Israel, even as he's leading what we looked at last week, this covenant renewal, he's the one orchestrating this Passover celebration. In verses 1 through 6, as I mentioned, they describe his efforts to faithfully organize and keep the Passover. Now, anyone who has ever had the privilege of planning any event or running event knows how tall a task that Josiah had takes. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes lots of patience. Everything needs to be considered, even the most minute of details. If you're not sure, just ask Jan Rogers if she's been planning Covenant Bible Club, all that it's taken to get this event ready to go. But Josiah, we see, starts off on the right foot, even with the selection of the day to celebrate it. Look at verse 1. Don't miss the 14th day of the first month. That was the day to celebrate Passover according to Exodus 12:18 as well as Leviticus 23:5. We see that even the day he chooses is a day in obedience to the Lord. Hezekiah a few years earlier when he celebrated a Passover, he didn't even do it on the first day of the 14th month. He had to wait. And now we might ask why the Passover? Why tie covenant renewal to this particular celebration? And maybe you're familiar, and even if you're not, the Passover was meant to be the biggest celebration in Israel's yearly calendar. It was, as one commentator writes, and I quote here, a means whereby the people would remember what God had done for them. It was a celebration of Israel's redemption from Egypt, which they ought not to forget. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb is a constant reminder to Israel that their life came from death. The Passover from beginning to end would stress who Israel was as the redeemed people of God. What it cost for them to come out of Egypt, to come out of the land of slavery into the promised land as God's people. So you can see why celebrating the Passover would be a big deal, and you can also see why failing to celebrate it would be an equally big deal. And so we see then Josiah's preparations are summarized for us in verse 2. Look at it with me. He says that he appointed the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord. 
This is the general idea of what Josiah did. He appoints and he encourages. Yet again, showing his chops as a faithful, good leader. A good leader must appoint things that need to be done, and a faithful leader will then encourage the people to do what's required. And then in verses 3 through 6, we find in detail what his encouragement looked like. Specifically, he gives seven commands to those leading and teaching in the Passover proceedings. And just quickly, let's run through these commands. First, put the holy ark essentially where it belongs, which Solomon said belongs in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. Whether the ark had been moved, we're not sure, whether, so it needed to be returned or not. The instructions are, leave it where it belongs, leave it where God has said, this is where it should stay. And then he says, serve the Lord and your people. This was the office that a priest was called to. Serve the Lord, serve his people. Then he says, prepare yourselves. They had to group themselves accordingly as the word of God instructed when they gathered together. And not only did they have to prepare where they would, how they would group themselves, he says, stand where you're supposed to. Again, according to the word of the Lord. They had assigned positions to stand. And then he tells them, slaughter the Passover lamb. Perform the sacrifices, distribute them to the people as instructed by the word of God. And then he says, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart as holy unto the Lord. Prepare yourselves for what you're about to do on behalf of the people. And then he also finally ends it with prepare for your brothers. They were to lead the people in the faithful worship of the Lord in this Passover. So as the priest would walk and worship in faithfulness, the people would follow after. And so we see in these seven commands, which we can just kind of read through and wonder, they're kind of random. No, we see that they, they are desiring and seeking to be faithful to the Lord. What we witness in these seven commands, or what one commentator writes, is a return to orthodoxy without parallel. We see at the forefront of Josiah's mind is not let's have a great party, let's have a wonderful celebration, it's let's be faithful to the word of the Lord. It is his chief goal. Everything is going to go to that end and to that end alone. And we then should find both individually and corporately encouragement here from Josiah's preparations. Our preparations as we gather weekly should aim for faithfulness to God and his word. If Tim were here this morning, he would share that we pray by God's grace that is what is done. That is what our aim to do is as we prepare for our weekly gathering. It is why we structure the service the way we do. No, it's not saying that this is the only way to do it, but it is saying that this is what our convictions are from scripture regarding how God is to be worshipped. We are to come at his invitation. We are to lift up our voices in song and praise. We are to seek him in prayer. We are to then hear his word, to confess our sins, profess our faith, and then give from the abundance that he has so graciously given to us. The structure of our service is not randomly assigned, but it's our hope for faithful preparations to give our triune God the praise that he is due. 
But faithful preparations also happen privately for each of us as we prepare to come and to gather. For we should be seeking encouragement from the word of the Lord Monday through Saturday. Not going famine Monday through Saturday and then finally coming in on Sunday to feast. We should be preparing our lives by living lives of holiness, by battling against sin, and by by repenting when such battles are lost. We should be devoted like the priests were devoted to the faithful worship of God on a daily basis. That is how we make preparations as we come. And such preparations are faithful to what God has declared for both the public worship of his name and our private worship as well. After these preparations, then, the text moves us into Josiah's provisions. We see this in verses 7 through 9. In generosity, we see Josiah supplies the bulk of the animals needed to faithfully keep this Passover. It's not a stretch to say that without Josiah, this Passover would not be celebrated. Look at verse 7 where it reads, Josiah contributed to the lay people as Passover offerings for all who were present. And these were from the king's possessions. That's a point of emphasis here. This grand number of 30,000 goats and lambs and 3,000 bulls, they're coming from Josiah's personal stables, from his personal pastures. Their inclusion would mean his loss. Yet their inclusion would demonstrate his zeal, his commitment to the Lord and his word. And once again, we're reminded tangibly that good leaders, they lead. And before we think that Josiah's move was was totally unprecedented, there actually was an example, many examples provided for us throughout the kings of Israel. We see that David, before the temple was even built, as they were preparing for it, he gave of his own gold, silver, and bronze. Not Not from the storehouses of Israel, but from his own personal ones. We also see that Solomon would contribute grand amounts of sacrificial animals from his own stables. And Hezekiah would do the same for his Passover celebration. But this example that's set should not negate what we see Josiah doing, this generous provision. He's faithfully following in the command of the Lord given to him and to kings to be faithful, to be generous. And what do we see is the fruit of his generosity? It's more generosity. Look at verse 8. And his officials contributed willingly to the people, to the priests, and to the Levites. And again, that emphasis is willingly. The leaders, they don't grumble and complain and say, oh, I can't believe i got to give this. They don't dig into their pockets and say, well, let me see what I can find here, and this is what I can give. No, they see the generosity of their king, and then they willingly open up their own stables, their own pastures, and say, here, take this, use this for the Passover celebration. It's likely a way of them obeying the command to serve, to prepare, and to consecrate themselves. They demonstrate the principle that Paul would would encourage in the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Where he said, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Such non-reluctant, cheerful giving served to bless all the people who would gather 
for this celebration. And because of both generosity of Josiah and the leaders, we find that there is no lack in this worship gathering. They had more than enough to sacrifice and to distribute and for people to feast. And it is in this provision of sacrifices, namely the Passover lamb, by the king of Israel, that we are directed to another greater provision. The provision of that one Passover lamb. For as great as the sacrifices here at this Passover were, as Carl read for us from Hebrews 10, a greater sacrifice was still needed. All that blood that was shed on this day could not take away sin. A truly perfect, a truly spotless lamb would be required. One who would do the will of God perfectly, even better than Josiah had done. Because as we're going to see next week, Josiah will falter towards the end. And praise be to God that he has supplied such a lamb. We professed it together earlier from Revelation chapter 5. Jesus Christ is that worthy Passover lamb who has been provided for us. He is the one slain and whose blood, by whose blood we are a ransom people. He is the reminder that our life has come through death, his death, on the cross for our sin. And through the provision of himself, we are enabled then to come and to gather, to worship, to celebrate that the Passover lamb was slain and that we are redeemed that we are his people. And then we should respond then. Obviously, as we come this morning, you might get a sideways glance if you had your lamb draped over your shoulders strolling into church this morning. If you were leading a bull behind you, you'd probably even get more of a look. And I am no butcher, and I'm very thankful for that. But yet, we are still called as we come to provide what is required for the church to fulfill its role in making disciples to the glory of God. And worship, the gathering together weekly, is the most practical and regular ways that disciples are made. Because worship is instructive. Worship is a humbling and sanctifying activity. As we behold our God in his glory and his goodness, and at the same time we're reminded of our sin and our ongoing rebellion. Worship is critical for the church to continue the call that we've been given by our Savior. And for this to happen, we need faithful, generous, and cheerful giving, like we witness here in Josiah's Passover. We need it from our leaders. We need it from everyone. And let me say as a word of encouragement here, this church has continued to be faithful in this way. You are generous on a consistent basis. You are eager and willing to give of yourselves for the work that is being done here, whether it's your money or it's your time, your energy, your service. I praise the Lord for you and your faithfulness in this way. And in light of this text, I would encourage us to keep on, to press on. For the sake of everyone gathered here, for the sake of our discipleship efforts, from the youngest of us to the oldest. May we provide for what is required for us as we gather to worship our great God together. 
And then moving on, we get to verses 10 through 16 where we see the leader's performance. And when I say performance, I'm, I'm not suggesting in any way that the leaders were, were disingenuous or somehow putting on a show by what they're doing here. This is where my attempts to alliterate may ex- be exposed to some flaws that it has. But what I in the text is trying to emphasize here is by performance, faithful service of the leaders. It comes shining through in these seven verses. We can read it and wonder what in the world is going on and it would take a while for us to unpack everything that is happening. But if I could summarize it, it's faithful service. They're obeying the commands that they've been given by Josiah in verses 1 through 6. Again, let me just highlight just a few of those. We see the priests standing in their place. When the celebration starts, the priests get in their positions that the word of God has given them, and they wait there. Then they slaughter the Passover lambs and throw the blood against the altar, which is exactly what Leviticus 17 said they should do. Then they set aside the burnt offerings, so then they can distribute them for the feasting. There's this chain-like system where you've got some, preach, uh, some priests butchering, some preparing, some handing out, and then the people feasting. Then we see they're roasting the Passover lamb and boiling the rest of the altar uh, offerings. Again, this is following the script from the first Passover in Exodus 12. Roasted, not boiled. For our meat lovers in here, they'd probably give a hearty amen to, to roast it. Don't boil it. And then afterwards, we see they prepared for themselves and for the priests. The priests are serving one another as they're serving the people. Nobody gets left out. There's not somebody hiding in the corner saying, when am I going to get my plate full of food? When am I going to get to feast? When is my sacrifice going to come? Everyone is being served because of the faithfulness of the priests. And then we see the singers and the musicians and the gatekeepers are in their place. It's not simply that the priests who are doing the sacrifices matter. Even the ones leading the worship, even the ones who are at the gates making sure that nothing profane comes in, are doing their job faithfully. And then it closes with their brothers, the Levites, prepared for them. This is an all-day affair going late into the hours of the evening. And nobody gets tired. Nobody gets hungry because as they're serving, the priests are going to their other fellow brothers who are serving and feeding them. They're saying, take a moment here. Feast on this. Be reminded of the Lord's goodness to us. Celebrate with us. Don't get lost just because you're serving. Join with us as we feast together. And so as we run through this faithful service of the priests, we shouldn't think that they're just merely complying with the rules. They're just checking off the boxes so they can say, yep, we did that, we did that, we did that. No, there's joy here. There is fellowship. There is love. There is service for each other. And compare this spirit we see in Josiah's celebration of the Passover with what Paul would accuse the Corinthian church of in 1 Corinthians 11. Where when they would come and celebrate, not the Passover, but what the Passover pointed to, the Lord's Supper, they were guilty of things like gorging themselves, serving themselves, fighting, quarreling, leaving people behind. Consumption ruled their day. Self-needs triumphed anyone else's. Unity, who cares about that? 
And unfortunately, we still see a posture of such self-service and consumption in churches today. The church gathering simply becomes another opportunity for us to consume something. Maybe it's a positive self-esteem boosting message. Maybe it's a powerful worship experience that just makes me feel good when I leave. There's no interest in serving. There's no interest in obeying the call that we have before us to obey the word of God, to walk in faithfulness to it. But we see there's none of that here. Because once again, the leaders are leading in faithful service, in faithful obedience to the Lord. They're following the command of their king. They're following the instructions of kings prior. They're following the command of the Lord given in the law of Moses. Essentially, the Passover is being celebrated here as it was always intended to be celebrated. From the way it was cooked to the way it was carried out quickly, which is a sign back to how they ate it originally in haste. And the fruit of that faithfulness we see is joyful feasting, communal serving, true fellowship and genuine worship of the Lord. All who were gathered at that, on that day would be reminded that the great I am had redeemed them, that he had made them his own, that he had brought them into this land. Even as they were being threatened of being taken away from this land, they would still be reminded that they were his people. And they would celebrate. And again, our performance in the weekly celebratory gathering is meant to have that same kind of effect. If Tim, myself, the elder who's on duty, the deacon, the musicians, the ushers, the audio team, if we are all performing faithfully, it won't highlight how great we are. It won't say how wonderful we are. It will instead lead to feasting, to serving, to fellowship, to true worship. And on the same, the same side of the coin, if each of you is performing faithfully as hearers, as active participants, when we pray, when we sing, when we confess, the same holds true. If we are faithfully following other words from Hebrews chapter 10, considering how we may stir one another up towards love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another, then not only are we being obedient to the word of God, being faithful to his word in our worship, but we're also performing as he has called us and equipped us to perform. This is why we hold out ways for us as a congregation to be serving, to be engaging the body. Whether it's in the often repetitive call to serve in the nursery, or to join our weekly prayer meeting, or to join small groups, or be a part of the IFO conversation club, or covenant Bible club, or step and the like. No, we're not simply trying to fill your schedule with busy things, or even to make the church look like, hey, we're, at least we're doing something. It's providing opportunities for us to faithfully serve regularly, to encourage one another. And so there may be, there be an encouragement and renewed call for all of us, from the elders all the way down to the youngest members, to seek to be faithful in our performance. Here as fellow participants in the gathering of God's people to praise his name and to serve each other. That's what we see taking place here in Josiah's celebration of the Passover.
And then finally, we come back to where we ultimately started, the Passover's preeminence. That's how the, the Chronicle closes this section. The celebration was a raving success like no other because everything went according to plan, specifically the plan set by the word of God. We get another summary here in verse 16, where it says, So all the service of the Lord was prepared that day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord, according to the command of King Josiah. And the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time. Josiah gets the stamp of faithful on his report card. Everything he set out to do, everything that he planned for, everything that he encouraged and appointed the, the Levites for was done. There was nothing left. There was no glaring emptiness. It was done in public as a continuation of the covenant renewal we saw at the end of chapter 34. And it was done faithfully in accordance to the word of God. For those who love following the rules or for those who love paying attention to the finer details of life, Reading how this Passover unfolded is, is kind of a dream come true. Every I is dotted. Every T is crossed. Nothing is left undone. We even see that the follow-up feast, the, the, days, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, was another demonstration of obedience. The law said to celebrate that the day after the Passover. When is it celebrated? The day after the Passover. So we shouldn't be surprised when verse 18 says that there was no Passover like it before as kept by Josiah. And again, it was not in the abundance of sacrifices. As great as 37,600 lambs and 33,800 bulls, I did the math, is impressive. That's not the biggest takeaway. It wasn't even in the historical moment going on, the ongoing covenant renewal that made it such an historic Passover celebration. It wasn't in the music. I'm sure it was wonderful. It wasn't in the feasting. I'm sure it tasted delicious. It wasn't in the tireless work of the priest or the organizing work of Josiah as noteworthy as all that was. It was because of obedience to the word of God. It was because Josiah led by walking in faithful obedience and then encouraged and called all the people to follow. I'm going to go ahead and suck out all the air in, in the balloons, but our worship here at Covenant will never be preeminent. Sure, we're going to try our best to make it excellent. It's the least we can do out of reverence for our God. But there will certainly be times where we can be honest that it doesn't seem overly excellent. But may there never be a day where we walk away and say it wasn't faithful to God's word and what he's told us to do when it comes to worshiping his name. For far more important than being found excellent or fantastic should be our desire to be obedient. For what is truly going to be preeminent is not our worship, but the preeminent one who we worship. He is the object. He's the desire. He's the one who has enabled us to come and to worship his name. So our call then is to be faithful to worship him as he is due, to worship him as he has told us to worship him by his word. For that is really what will make our worship celebration outstanding or excellent. Not any bells and whistles we may add, not any latest fads or new styles that we may bring in, 
Not even if we have the most engaging personalities or practices here. Faithfulness is the true test. It's the test that Josiah passed on this Passover that was unlike any other. And may it be the test that we pass as we faithfully and regularly come to worship our great God. As we conclude, I'm not going to ask you to go back and think about that greatest celebration that you can remember. Instead, and without trying to sound intentionally cheesy or kind of Christian cliche, the truth of the matter is that each and every time that we gather on a Sunday morning, we are offered the opportunity to join in what is already the greatest celebration ever. We are being invited to gather around the throne of God Almighty and the Lamb, where even now all the saints in heaven are giving him glory. And all the saints here on earth are doing the same, singing his praises. There is no greater celebration. There's no greater reason we have to rejoice on this morning and any morning. Because even this Passover that we see in the time of Josiah, as great and wonderful as it was, pales in comparison. It even pales in comparison to the celebration we are having right now. Because that celebration was done while still waiting for, looking forward to the Passover lamb that was still to come. Waiting for him in faith. We are the ones who are standing here or sitting here reaping the blessings of what the Passover lamb has already accomplished for us. In his perfect life, his obedient death, and his glorious resurrection. And so we gather to celebrate and also to look forward like Josiah did for that day we're going to sing of here in a moment, when we will feast. But in the meantime, as we continue to gather for the purpose of celebrating our good God, may we do so in obedience to him and his word. Let us do so following the example we see set before us by Josiah and all the leaders who followed him, this humble king. Faithfulness in worship flows from our faithfulness to the word of God. Let us pray. Father God, would you help us to be faithful? Faithful to your word as we come and gather and worship you. We thank you, Jesus Christ, that you are the Passover lamb who has been slain for us and has been raised victorious. God, it is by his blood that we are cleansed. It is by his blood that we are forgiven and redeemed. And we celebrate his work this morning. And then we ask by your spirit again that you would help us to be faithful to your word as we worship. To worship you as you have told us to. Encourage us. Work in us. Give us a taste of that great day as we will sing when we will feast in your house forever. And may it fill our hearts with joy even this morning we pray. In Christ's name.